You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. This is Gwen Mers, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. I've never been a corporate man. Sure, I at one point of my life worked a nine-to-five for an employer who mostly dictated my daily activities... But in my line of work, there was ultimately a good deal of freedom and independence. There were no administrators sitting in the exam room with me. That doesn't mean, however, that I haven't experienced corporate America. My wife, in fact, has been firmly planted there for the last 20-some years. And I've seen all the ups and downs, the difficult responsibilities, and the sometimes unbelievable perks I feel like I've seen live through it all. Becoming part of the financial independence retire early movement, I was inundated with a singular view. Corporate America is just not that into you. What was called for was a breakup, a clean split. Yet years later, some of us have been stalking our former jobs like we do our exes on Facebook and even deciding to do the unthinkable, to get back together again. Gwen Mers is a 32-year-old on the path to financial independence. She saved up $200,000 before trying her hand at being an online influencer slash entrepreneur. When that didn't work out, she went back to work in corporate America. She is also the creator of the Fiery Millennials blog. Gwen Mers, welcome back to Earn and Invest. Tell us about that original breakup with corporate America. Was it messy? Hey, yeah. So thanks for having me on, first off. And, you know, honestly, it was a pretty clean break. Yeah. I said, I don't want to be here anymore. And they said, are you sure? Are you sure? And I said, I'm I'm really sure. And they said, okay, you're going to have to give us a little bit to to hire somebody who can tr- attempt to, to replace you. I said, okay, I'll be around for a little while longer. And I worked for another, I think, six weeks. I gave them a, a nice long lead time because I had a fairly specialized job that would have been hard to just have somebody, you know, pop in and, and start running. And so, yeah, I, I left and I had people that I worked for telling me, it's not too late. You can still stay. We'll we'll figure it out. You don't have to go if you don't want to up until like the very last hour. So there's no take this job and shove it moment. Nope. So you left corporate America pretty early into your career. Let's talk about your childhood. What did you think you were going to do for a living when you were a kid? Nobody ever guesses this. Are you ready? All right. I wanted to be a canine police officer. 
How and why? <laughs> so when I was younger, I got bullied a lot by people. And so I wanted to be the person that would help out people who were being bullied. And the canine aspect came in because my mom never let us have a dog. And so I figured if I had a dog for my job, then I could have one as an adult. This is very childlike thinking, right? I was like eight years old. <laughs> I was about to say, when did you transition out of canine police officer yeah, so, into something else? But I actually held some form of law enforcement uh, ideals throughout the rest of my childhood. And, you know, to the point of going along on a ride along with the county sheriff's office for like my job discovery day. I entered s- school as a law enforcement and justice administration major. Took a year of classes and they were stupidly easy. And I was like, I don't, you know, like, I don't know if this is what I want to do. And so then when I joined the military, uh, it was for a job in IT. And I said, hey, you know, this IT stuff, you know, I, I can do this. This is pretty easy. And then I took a look at the top like 10 paying career fields and it was all IT, 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 engineering, IT, 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 IT. So I was like, you know what? Let me just like, not go on this path of like long, weird hours and like a horrible, you know, work life relationship and just go into something that's going to pay me a lot of money and I don't have to work all those crazy hours in my specific chosen field. So most people come to the financial independence, retire early movement after they've been working for a while, they're like sick of their jobs. They discover it and they're like, this is a way out. You were a little different. I mean, you discovered this stuff as a teenager, right? I well, close. Yeah. I mean, you know, now that I'm a decade past this, you know, I'm like, yeah, I was basically a teenager. I was like 21, 22 ish, my senior year of college. And I discovered an article on Stumble Upon by Mr. Money Mustache and was like, oh, this guy sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Went to his blog, started poking around. And that was 2012, I want to say. So he'd been writing for like a year. So he had some some depth in his articles. And I thought, wow, this guy is genius. Like, you know, my parents taught me the basics of personal finances, but, but, you know, Mr. Money Mustache was like the next level. Right. And like, here's everything that you will need to do to, to not have to work forever. And I was like, there's an alternative to working forever. Like nobody I really knew, like specifically set out to retire early and called themselves early retired you know, my stepdad got worked out of a job in the Great Recession when he was in his 50s. And so he was basically forced into retirement early. But that's kind of a different setup. So I was like infatuated with this idea of financial independence. But I was in college. I wasn't earning a whole lot of money. And so I just kind of had to sit and stew and think about all of the, the things that people were writing about until I got my first career job. And going from the freedom of college scheduling to your butt is going to be in this chair from nine to five every single day was awful. Hmm. Like I, I, I hated it. You know, I was doing work that I didn't enjoy that was hard and boring. And, you know, those are all kind of like the worst case scenario, right? So it like really lit a fire under me. It's like, okay, got all this money. If this is what my career is going to look like for the next 30 years, I'm out. I'm going to throw all of my efforts into, into retiring early. Do you think discovering the fire movement before you got into your first job was deleterious? I mean, in a sense, if you hadn't discovered fire, maybe it wouldn't have seemed so harsh and severe. 
yeah, you know, I got like a peek behind the curtain. Like life doesn't have to be this way. You know, I, I saw people who took the red pill instead of the blue pill and was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I know exactly how terrible this setup is right now. So let's talk about that first nine to five. I mean, in a sense, was it horrible? It wasn't horrible. I mean, it was with a, gosh, what are they? They're at least in the Fortune 100, maybe Fortune 50. So, you know, we're talking sprawling corporate enterprise where, you know, you've got your assistant to the, you know, managers, you know, like, like all of the corporate nonsense that you can think of was in place in this place. And I entered the workforce in what we called the early development program. So it was two 18-month rotations in various aspects of IT. And then you could, you know, figure out where you wanted to work within the organization and, you know, be, you know, start your career after that. It was basically like being an intern on steroids. So, you know, for like nine months, we were just like learning the job, learning like all the things that went into that particular area of IT. And then you just kind of coasted for the next nine months because they didn't want to give you any projects because you were just going to be leaving. So you couldn't really do anything after you learn your job. And that kind of just like stagnation was not great either. So I did that first job. I moved into my second rotation, which required a move to a different city, which was fun and exciting for a little while. And then it turns out I didn't like that position either. It was a highly logical. I was a DB2 QA tester. So somebody else would write the code and I would write scenarios to test it. But the problem is that I can't logic my way out of wet paper bag. So they were like, well, just think about it. You know, if this is true, then this isn't right. But if this isn't true, then this is true. And I'm like, this is not how my creative artsy brain works. So that was also a struggle to to deal with. But then when I got done with that early development program and I found my spot in the organization, working was not bad at all. I enjoyed the job. I felt like I was making a difference. I was working with really smart, talented people. I, you know, I had a degree of autonomy over what I did throughout the day. As, you know, I wasn't like pinned to a cube with, you know, my coworker drilling holes in my back if I wasn't, you know, doing exactly what I was supposed to all the time. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed that last job that I had. So it begs the question whether that first job or maybe in the beginning, it wasn't necessarily per se corporate America. It was either the wrong job or the wrong aspect of the job that you happen to be involved with at that time. Yeah. And as I came in and out of corporate America uh, and have had different roles with different organizations, it really comes down to who are the people that I'm working for? What is the goal of both that position and the company in general? And how is that all managed? You went in and out of corporate America. In between, there was entrepreneurship and you lived a little bit more of that lifestyle where you had more control. Eventually, you found that wasn't for you and you came back. I want to focus on that first time in corporate America because you've now returned. But that first time, did you see any of the positives? I know now you can list off the positives and what you like about it. But back then, could you say, oh, okay, there are some kind of good things here, even though I'm choosing to leave? Yeah, I mean, I routinely got fed at work with tasty, <laughs> delicious food. 
So, you know, having somebody else shoulder some of my grocery bill was nice and not, you know, the taking that mental effort off of my plate and like, what do I feed myself for lunch today? Well, I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter because, you know, lunch is provided. So that was helpful, although not a regular occurrence. So it was always um, a special treat when it happened. I didn't work for one of the big, you know, tech companies that provided all these, you know, snacks and lunches and all that other stuff. Right. Um, But one thing that I did not value enough at that time was the stability of getting the same paycheck every other week. That was huge. When you go into entrepreneurship and you realize that, hmm, there's feast or famine, right? You might have some really good weeks or months, and then you may have some where very little comes in. That's kind of disruptive. <laughs> it's awful. And like I had less of a cushion starting out when I was an entrepreneur than I thought I would. And like watching your savings account dwindle and the money just trickling in while the money going out is a fire hose. It was like, oh no, like this is so stressful. <laughs> but like, you know, nobody can give 100% every day, right? Sometimes all you have to give is 40%. But when I was in corporate America, it didn't matter what effort I gave on a day-to-day basis. I still got paid the same amount. When I was an entrepreneur, if I didn't, if like my brain didn't want to work that day, I didn't make any money. So you didn't know what it was going to feel like to be an entrepreneur. You didn't know what it was going to feel like to not have a steady paycheck per se. But when you were in the midst of corporate America that first time, this was all new to you. Talk about the FOMO of being involved in the financial independence movement and yet having to go to the nine to five every day. Yeah, it was, it was quite the dichotomy. You know, I'd see all of these people that I had become friends with online and they're living their best lives. And here I am, you know, having to fill out TPS reports and, you know, talk about stuff I I didn't literally care anything about. It was, it was, it was really hard. What was the last straw? Like, how did you decide, okay, now I'm just going to leave corporate America. I like, was it a, a number? Was it a net worth? Or was it that the job was pushing you to such an extent? You were like, I got to go. It basically didn't have anything to do with the job. At the time I had a podcast of my own and that podcast was doing really well. And I thought that there was a chance if I had more time that I could really monetize that. And and do quite well off of that with my podcast partner. You know, I was blogging and bringing in some money here and there. I had a rental property, so I you know theoretically could have lived off of that money. So I had I had alternatives that I wasn't I wasn't wholly dependent on that money that that corporate America gave me. So you know, it's like it's the same thing in a relationship, right? Like. You don't want to be dependent on the other person for everything because if something happens and you're not with them anymore, then you're out in the cold, right? So I had alternatives. And at that particular time, I was dating a guy who lived six hours away. And he had a job at his place. I had a job at my place. And we were you know, doing the, the drive and making it work. But it really wasn't great. I didn't want to live in my smaller town anymore. And so I thought, all right, well, here's my chance to get out of this this restrictive environment and move to a bigger market 
with my boyfriend who I wanted to, you know, make a real go of things with and all of this alternative income that I was hustling for. So I just thought, oh, this, this worked out pretty well. And I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to leave that job, but I did not want to work full time for corporate America anymore. Looking back, if you had planned differently, do you think it would have made a difference? In other words, we'll take it for granted that you were going to leave that job. If you had put other plans in place, would it have changed anything? Or do you think the outcome ultimately would have been the same? I mean, it's it's a toss up. You know, we could play at the what if game forever. And I don't I don't know what I could have done differently at that time. I mean, maybe I could have saved less in my 401k and more in a separate brokerage account. So I would have had more cash on hand. But I think that would have just probably prolonged the struggle and I wouldn't have had to cut it short so quickly. I mean, it was nine months that I was not a corporate America worker. So how long into that nine months did you start having doubts and second thoughts? Was it immediate or did it take a few months? Well, having to write a $10,000 check for a new deck like three days after I left corporate America, which basically was a good almost half of what I had saved up for reserves. That was not great. And then I had talked to the pension office twice before I left and they assured me you will be able to take out your pension contributions. You know, you can do the the lump sum cash out option. We don't want your piddly little pension on our books anymore. Mm-hmm. So you you can have that money. And so I was counting on that money as well. And so then when I called the office to say, okay, well, I don't work for you guys anymore. We can start this process. They go, I don't know who told you that, but you can't do that. And so right then and there was about two thirds of the money that I was counting on not being there. And so not having that big cushion to kind of offset the slow burner at the beginning and and give me the runway to really get things in place, like really just crush things. So what you're talking about there is a cash flow issue. Let's look at the other side. There's a lot of hustle culture out there. And we see this, especially in financial independence, this idea of everyone can be an entrepreneur. We should all have side hustles. We should all be able to make money that way. Talk about your expectations of being an entrepreneur versus the reality that you eventually experienced. Yeah, I mean, I thought it would be it would be easier. I thought I would be able to just work a couple hours a day and then I'd have time for exercising or, you know, walks along the the lake or you know, doing things like reading and playing video games or some of the other hobbies that I have. And what I found was that I had to work more as an entrepreneur. I had to work harder as my own boss. And I'm not very good at managing my own time or forcing myself to do anything. So it was like, well, sure, I could earn $200 an article, but if it takes me, you know, a week or more to write an article, then that's not a good cash flow. You know, you need to churn out these these articles or, you know, whatever you're doing in order to get the the cash flow that I had just by doing, you know, a quarter of the work at my corporate America job. So like I'm sitting there and I'm staring at the screen and I have this article that somebody is paying me like 50 bucks to do. And it's taking a while. And then I start calculating out what my old salary was and how much I earned per hour. 
And I said, why am I struggling to work this hard for pennies when I could just go back to work and earn incredible amounts of money by doing so much less? One thing people don't realize about entrepreneurship, right, is that even when you're doing these freelance this freelance work, you often don't get paid as much. You don't get paid on time. You get paid a month or two later after you've done the work. Like all these things mm-hmm. that impact cash, basic cash flow, which we just don't think about when we're in corporate America. Yeah. You know, in the introduction, I was kind of joking about comparing this using the metaphor of a breakup and stalking your ex on Facebook. Tell me about when you started looking at job postings. Like how how long into your break from corporate America were you back online saying, hmm, I wonder what kind of jobs are out there? It, it was about four months. Yeah, I started. So I left corporate America in like March or April, somewhere around there. And by the summer, I was looking at job interviews and and trying to get a different job. And one thing that surprised me was just how quickly my skills atrophied, how quickly I forgot different parts of what I did every single day for people. And so, you know, it it took a little while longer for me to break it back into corporate America than I thought it would. After, you know, after a couple of interviews, it was like, oh, right, okay, these are all the things that I forgot. And, you know, then I could talk about it. But yeah, it, it, it's really surprised me how quickly I just jettisoned all that corporate America knowledge out of my brain. We are talking to Gwen Murs. She is a 32-year-old on the path to financial independence. She saved up $200,000 before trying her hand at being an online influencer and entrepreneur. When that didn't work out, she went back to work in corporate America. And that is what we're talking about today, breaking up with corporate America and then getting back together. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, this car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, purposeful cockpit-like driving position, and award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. Once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R. USA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, service key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. 
LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash earn. That is linkedin.com slash E-A-R-N for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash earn and get started. We are back with Gwen Mers. She is the creator of the Fiery Millennials blog, and we are talking about getting back together with corporate America. Gwen, let's talk about that time when you were not yet back at work, but you were starting to look online for jobs. You would realize that entrepreneurship probably wasn't for you. Was there shame or embarrassment? I mean, did you feel like you had, quote unquote, failed? A tiny little bit. You know, it was more that I was doing so very publicly. I was chronicling my journey on my blog. I know I was talking about it. I had told so many people that I was going to do it. But then, you know, here I was being like, well, this is not working for me. I'm just going to go back to what I, I do know. It wasn't shame necessarily, but, you know, I, I received a very valuable piece of advice from somebody in the in the personal finance community that said, don't be ashamed to go back to work. If that is what happens, then you need to do what's best for you. And don't, don't worry about what you said you were going to do, because it's really about what's best for you. And don't, don't try and keep doing something that isn't working well for you or causing you problems. And I thought that piece of advice was probably the most valuable thing that I, somebody ever told me. And so, you know, that's, that's what you got to do, right? If, Something doesn't work out. Sure, maybe there's a bit of egg on your face, but like you gotta you've gotta do what's best for you, no matter what. So you realized pretty quickly what you needed to do, and there was obviously some supportive voices. Were there any not so supportive voices? I mean, you are, like you said, you did this in public, you've been writing this blog, you're known in the community. Were there any people kind of like oh, you know, she didn't try hard enough or she should have done things differently. You know what? I don't think so. I laid it out so clearly as to what was going on and why things weren't working and, you know, the struggles that I was having. And I don't think anybody else was like, oh, she didn't try hard enough because clearly I was trying really hard. You know, I pivoted like three different times to try and figure out something that would make me money. And it, it just, it's not for me. It didn't work. I would say that I got far more pushback later when I like stopped being such a super saver and started actually spending some money. That got a lot more pushback than me going back to work. Was one related to the other? Was no. this idea that you don't need to be a super saver partially because you were back at corporate America or, or have anything to do with what you learned while you were on your quote unquote sabbatical? Well, slightly. So I've figured out that there is more to life than just having a giant padded brokerage account and living as lean as you can. And that that kind of lifestyle is not for me. And I, I think I wrote an article when I was leaving work that said like something like I was leaving $2 million on the table by not working my high paid IT career job anymore. And now I am back at work and I'm earning more than I ever was when I left now that I've been back for a little bit, you know, worked my way up. But, you know, now I'm I'm building that money back into my 
my projections. And so it's like, okay, well, I already have enough money as a 32-year-old that I don't need to save another penny for retirement and I'll be just fine. And now, now I have all this other money coming in on top of those investments. And what am I going to do with it all? So it did kind of have a little bit to do with going back to work. One of these things I think that happens to us is when we first discover this idea of financial independence, it's all we can think about. Talk about today. Do you think about financial independence very much and do you worry about it? No, not really. I I mean, I automatically update my net worth and budget on the first of the month just to see where I'm at and kind of keep my fingers on the pulse of my finances. But yeah, I I don't write on my blog every night. I'm not hosting a podcast about financial independence anymore. I'm not going to conferences on my vacation time for financial independence things anymore. You know, I I am still a responsible person with money, but I am no longer like part of the like fire cult. How would you describe your relationship with corporate America today? How are you getting along? You know what? It's a healthy relationship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We each provide something that the others needs and it's a balanced approach from both of us. So I, I've switched jobs since I came back to corporate America. I have switched companies three different times. So I've been back in the workforce for about six, no, five years, four, five years, something like that. And when I got back into the workforce, I kind of just took what uh, somebody gave me because I was having a, a bit of a, a rough time getting into the working world again. So I took a job and I used to be in the military and it was with a defense contractor in the in the military space. And I quickly remembered why I got out of the military and left that job after about six months because I was just not an environment that I belonged in. I had a lot of different ideals and different ways of thinking about the world. And so I decided, well, maybe the military industrial complex is better from the corporate side. So I went to a different defense contractor company and worked at their corporate offices. And it turns out that still wasn't great. I was on the East Coast and I was not close to home. So it was it was tough to see family. And my parents are getting older. My my nibblings are getting older. And so I wanted to to be a little bit more accessible to get to them. So I chose a job that was three hours from home in a bigger market and have been working there for three and a half years. So yeah, it, it, it was really, I technically work now for a nonprofit. So there's no overhead shareholder pressure, but there's no real products that are being marketed. So, you know, we don't have to worry about like sales and stuff like that. It's just kind of like we have a, a mission to do and we do that. If today someone plunked a few million dollars into your bank account, would you leave? Would you retire? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, the other so fast. <laughs> so it's it's not like this is the if you if you had ultimate choice to do whatever you want, it's not like you'd be spending every day in the office. On the other hand, you certainly don't sound unhappy with what you're doing. Is that a fair fair yeah. description? Yeah. I what I'm doing is very interesting to me. I like getting, you know, kind of the peek behind the curtain as it were on what's going on in my particular industry. 
and I get to travel sometimes with work. So that kind of scratches the I've been stationary for too long bug. And, you know, I, I get to to go out and eat on somebody else's dime. I'm staying in a hotel on somebody else's dime. I'm getting to see these new places and not necessarily having to pay a lot of money for it. And I, I like my job as it is right now. I feel like I have a fair amount of autonomy. I mean, I still have a schedule of the jobs that I have to do, but I'm not like being held to, you know, TOAs and other metrics and they're like, you didn't answer this ticket fast enough. Why isn't, you know, like all that baloney is not part of my day-to-day job that I have to worry about. So I feel like we have a lot of, especially in the fire community, what I'd call success porn, right? People talking about how successful they are, how they're living the life they want to live. And we see the same thing with entrepreneurship, right? It's either Mm -hmm. I'm not working at all because I did fire and I'm traveling the world having fun or Hey, look at this great business I'm building and I'm doing it all in three or four hours a week. Do you think this we- millennial earns a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> a month by two, you know, with two hours of work per week? Look at how she did it. And it's like, okay, really? But you know, she's not working those two hours, right? She's just maintaining what's going on. And she front loaded all of that effort ahead of time and is coasting on that residual income. It's mm, I could rant forever about this. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was going to ask a question of whether we're giving corporate America a little bit of short shrift, but just to go on what you were saying, I think a big part, part of the problem with this is people don't realize even those people who are now working three hours a week, et cetera, are still the huge minority, right? So oh, yeah. for every thousand people who do this, yes, you will have a handful of people who are super successful and are living these glamorous lives, but it really is a handful. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are people who got into whatever hustle that was early. You know, it's like MLMs, right? You the people who get in early are at the top of the pyramid and they're doing really well. So, you know, like, oh, somebody rents out their houses. They have three houses that they rent out on Airbnb and they bring in all this money each month. Well, how sustainable is that? How how well can somebody replicate that blueprint? Or is the door already closed because the market is saturated? Right? It's like it's like you can point to somebody who's in college baseball and they're a really good college baseball player, but how many of those college baseball players move on to the MLB, right? You know, it, it's the same thing here, right? You've got all different levels of success and only those ones at the very top, only those professional entrepreneurs at the at the top of their game get highlighted and featured and really send the wrong message to a lot of people, I think. So do you think we are too hard on corporate America then, especially in this community? It it again depends, right? On where you're at with your job. You know, do you like your job? Are you, you know, working with good people? Does your company treat you well? Or are you burning both ends of the the candle? Do you have a, do you have a choice? Are you stuck in that position because of healthcare or the pay in a limited market? You know, like um, being able to say, I could go out tomorrow and start interviewing for different jobs and have a reasonable chance of success at getting a different job really makes a difference in, I think, of of corporate America getting some shortchanging. Because they definitely do exploit workers, for sure, right? But if you are not one of those who are necessarily being exploited that badly, 
then <laughs> that, uh, that badly. I like that. Life is better, right? Well, you know, still like <laughs> how much does, you know, like if you're, let's say that uh, you're a consultant and you go out to these, these companies, right? And the your company charges these companies $100, right? To be there. But you're only getting paid 40 of those. Right. Like, so you're, they're skimming that off the top of your labor big time in, in some instances. Right. And I don't feel like that is necessarily the case for me. I feel like I get paid fairly. I have good benefits. I have management that is full of fairly reasonable human beings who make, you know, allowances that life exists outside of work and, uh, you know, allocates for that. So I feel like I've, I've got it pretty, pretty good right now. So what do you think we can learn from your breakup and then get getting back together again with corporate America? I mean, there's a lot of young people who are just discovering fire or there's a lot of parents whose kids are like 20, 21, 22. What do you think your experience can help teach them? Yeah, I think there's a lot of tangible and intangible benefits of having a, a job. So, I mean, it provides structure. It provides a sense of community in a lot of cases. You know, we are, we tied our healthcare to jobs. So it provides healthcare in a lot of different ways. You know, the pay is helpful, but also I feel like going through working is kind of like an underlying thing that we have in common with a lot of different people. And by like choosing to remove yourself from that game or not participating at all could have a detrimental impact on just how you relate with people. Do you think you'll try your hand at entrepreneurship again, maybe in a lower stakes manner at some point? I'm shaking my magic eight ball and <laughs> uh, outlook is dim. <laughs> <laughs> You're done. I'm done. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't want to be my own boss. I really like having, you know, a really, I call my health insurance plan a, a gold-plated Cadillac insurance plan. You know, I go to the doctor, it costs me $15. My you know, like I don't have a deductible. I don't, my out-of-pocket minimums are like $4,000 a year or something stupid low like that. Like it's, I, I've, I've got really good benefits. I still have a pension at this position. So, you know, on top of all the, the savings that I've done, they're, they're saving for me. So I, I look at the unstructured nightmare that would be an entrepreneurial ship adventure again for me. And I've just, that's nope, mm -mm, not for me. So there's working for yourself. There's also working for corporate America. And then of course, there's the great in between, right? There's all sorts of smaller companies, et cetera. Do you feel that working in a smaller company would be different? I mean, it sounds like you've worked for lots of big companies, lots of companies we would call corporate. What about working for a smaller firm or even, you know, working for a new startup? You know what? Honestly, I have no idea. I think you have some of the pros of working in corporate America. And I think you also have some of the pros of, of not working for corporate America in these, in this gray area. Right. But you also have a lot of the cons of working with corporate America and a lot of the cons of being in entrepreneurship or, you know, like taking the risk that you're taking. And I don't think that that would work for me either. I like, I like being a cog in a big old <laughs> crank in corporate America. You know, I have my my little area that I take care of, and that's good enough for me. 
And so the goal of, of the FIRE movement is to retire as fast as possible. Look into your future. What what sounds like a good retirement age for you? What does that look like? Well, when I was 22, that was 35. And now at 32, it's not 35. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I do have a bit of a golden handcuff situation where uh, if I work until I'm 55, my employer will let me stay on the healthcare plan at employee rates instead of retiree rates. So as things stand right now, that's a couple extra hundred dollars less a month that I would have to pay. But I think it's still kind of a to-be-determined situation. I really can't get into the bulk of my investments until 59 and a half. So either I, you know, do some sort of like SEP, what is that, SEP 72 ladder Or I just take the penalty and take money out early and, you know, get into that there. But I really don't know how long I'll end up working. It could change for a variety of factors, but it'll be at least until I'm mid mid to late 40s minimum. You know, I've still I've still got some some things to to accomplish with this particular job that I think will take me a while. So. It's funny because what I hear in your voice is that retiring early or retiring certainly still sounds wonderful, but kind of that stress and anxiety that we grew up with in the financial independence movement isn't there anymore. Like, yeah, I've noticed that in this community, there's just so much stress built into when you can leave your job. And I just don't hear that in your voice anymore. No, and I'm I'm in the driver's seat, right? I get to choose when I want to leave. And that is an enormous privilege this day and age to say, I already have enough saved for retirement at age 32. Now I'm just padding the bottom line for my future self is crazy and ridiculous and awesome to be in. But, you know, if I won the lottery in any significant sum tomorrow, sayonara. Yeah, I would be out. Like I, I work in corporate America because I don't have a choice right now. But as soon as I would be able to make that choice for myself, I would choose not to work in corporate America. Well, Gwen, I want to thank you for being on the show today. The idea behind doing this interview was to flip the script a little bit to discuss this idea that people think corporate America, evil, entrepreneurship, good, working bad, retirement, good. And I just feel like that's not necessarily true. And you can go out in the world, work in corporate America, decide to break up. And then if you're not happy come back. And that's what you've done. And most importantly, it's fulfilled your needs. I want to end this episode the way I end every episode by asking you what is up next in your life and how people can contact you if they're interested in asking questions. First and foremost, what's going on with you? And let me let me clarify a little bit. What's going on with the Fiery Millennials blog? It's still around. I am still updating it every once in a while. I actually have an article that I wrote last week that's going out soon. So, you know, I have uh, people reach out occasionally and be like, hey, are you like still around? Like, are you are you dead? Like, we missed <laughs> your stuff. Can you keep writing? So there there is still like an audience for that blog. So I'll, I'll keep writing still. I think it still serves a purpose. But, you know, I'm not like trying to monetize it or grow my audience and like use that to, you know, use it as a springboard for a bigger platform or, you know, something else. Right. Like, it's just. It's basically just a hobby journal for everybody to read at this point. It's really handy to have that last eight years or so on record because then I can be like, 
yeah, this happened, but I really don't remember a lot of the details. Let me just pull up the, the article I wrote about it. And I'm like, A, wow, this is really well written. And then B, oh yeah, these are all the details. I forgot. <laughs> and then of course, people shouldn't forget that you were the co-host and co-creator of one of the OG Fire podcasts, the Fire Drill podcast. Any excitement, interest, thoughts about podcasting again? You were such a natural behind the mic. You know, I do love podcasting. It is so much fun and I miss podcasting, but you know what I don't miss about podcasting? I don't miss having to edit it and I don't miss having to write show notes and I don't miss all of this other promotional stuff that you have to do, all the back end stuff. If somebody said, hey, Gwen, do you want to be a, a you know host on the podcast? Here's all your guests and you just have to log on and talk. I would strongly consider that <laughs> if somebody there. just did all the work for me. Right. But until then, I'll just be on my friend's podcast like you. And what is the best way if people want to reach out and ask you a question? How can they do it? Well, in the past, I would have said Twitter, but um, that's kind of gone on a death spiral lately. So uh, the blog is still around and I'm on Instagram at Fiery Millennial and the blog email still works, I think, as far as I know. So Gwen at FieryMillennials.com. Well, Gwen Mers, thank you so much for being on Earn and Invest today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always happy to be on. That's a wrap. Earn and Invest is now part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to this show as well as other fine podcasts. Okay, to tell you the truth, I am as guilty as anyone. We've talked about multiple times on Earn and Invest Corporate America. I've documented the flight away from the nine to five. Isn't that the point of financial independence? To be able to leave the workplace, to say sayonara to your employer, to leave, to leave the man, to have no one able to control you anymore. We've talked about that over and over on Earn and Invest, and that's why it was important to have Gwen on today. Gwen is not only a great friend of mine, someone I've known for years, but I was there to watch the transition when she went from corporate America to real estate maven and entrepreneur, and then back to corporate America. And I think her story is really valuable. And the reason why is we are ultra negative on corporate America today. And I know why. I mean, there are so many problems. There is no question that people are being used by corporations, are not getting the fairest of treatments, and then being fired, sometimes when they don't even know why. I get it. But I think there's another side to the story. There are people out there like Gwen who have really benefited from being part of corporate America. I mean... There are some really good things about being an employee. You have a consistent paycheck. A lot of these employers give you a 401k and match, all sorts of insurances and other kind of things. Paid vacation. Let's remember, when you're an entrepreneur and you work for yourself, you pay for your vacation, not only in how much money you spend to go wherever you're going, but by the fact that you are not bringing in any revenue at the time. And yet when you're an employee, you get paid vacation. You're still getting paid even when you don't show up. There are some of us out there who feel bad 
They feel bad because we're working in corporate America. They feel bad because they're not entrepreneurs. They feel bad because they're not investing in real estate. I think we have to remember that corporate America is a fine way to make it to financial independence. It's a fine way to building up a net worth that will support you. And the truth of the matter is there are plenty of people who like their corporate jobs. They like their communities. They like what they do. They like being part of a team. And they like not having to worry about payroll and running the business and all those finer points that they don't want to deal with. So I think we have to take some time to celebrate people like Gwen. I think we have to realize that there are set ways to get to financial independence. There are three or four big ones, and it's okay whichever one you choose. And one of those ways to get to financial independence is to be an employee in corporate America. It works for many, many people. I mean, how many 401k millionaires are out there? And most of them got there by spending 15, 20 years at corporate America dutifully putting in the maximum on their 401k, getting matched, and letting the power of the market and compounding do its thing. You know, my history is I started working for a medical group. In a lot of ways, it was like working for corporate America. Eventually, I had success working for myself. But in the meantime, during that, I did all sorts of entrepreneurial ventures and owned real estate. And the truth of the matter is, they worked out mediocre. Like my medical practice made good money, but everything else I did, I made money on some ventures, I lost money on others. And I'm here to tell you, it's not easy. It's not easy being an entrepreneur. And in fact, only a small percentage of people will be successful at doing it. Most businesses fail. I think we now have the tools and we have the ability to work online and virtually. I think there's such things as lean startups. All of these things make it more plausible and possible. But if that isn't for you, if you don't want to be an entrepreneur, if you are happy as can be in corporate America getting your 401k match and your regular salary, you know what I say? I say all the power to you. Go for it. Awesome. As you know, I leave things running just for a few minutes to catch our after show. Anything we didn't talk about when it comes to corporate America that you think was important to your story? You know, I was trying to work in how I could describe corporate America as a frenemy. <laughs> Go ahead, elaborate. Well, you know, like sometimes it, it, it helps me and sometimes it harms me, you know, and that's a frenemy. They're inconsistent and sometimes they, they do good for you and sometimes they, they do you good. So <laughs> like that. sometimes they do you good. I, I mean, I think it's like if you look at corporate America is you use corporate America for your own good, because for sure they're going to use you for their own good. And if that's like a mutual understanding and if you come at it with that in mind, then you start feeling a little bit more in control and hopefully a little bit more powerful. Now, again, I know like. The jobs drop out, people get fired, all this kind of stuff really makes you feel out of control. But in a perfect world, hopefully you can control some of what you do. Corporate America controls some of what it does. And there's a kind of happy medium 
Yeah, you know, they're exploiting me. I'm exploiting them, right? I will jump at any opportunity for free food yeah. from my employer. Match or you know, the 401k match, healthcare. Um, you know, they uh, provide per diem and reimburse me for travel that I have to do on their dime. Um, part of my goals now are to uh, get two certifications in my industry. So they're going to pay for those. They're going to pay for my training materials, which are not cheap, which is stupid. Um, so, you know, like, I, they'll, they, they, they pat my back. I pack them on the back. You know, like, it, it's mutually, I feel like it's, it's pretty even Steven at the moment with them. Yeah, I, I definitely also, you know, I dig this idea that it's a great place to get trained or to get your education paid for. And a lot of a lot of really successful consultants out there who own their own businesses started in corporate America. They got all their connections in corporate America. They were trained there and then they go out and run their own business. And I think we forget sometimes that you, again, if you're really mindful, there's lots you can get out of corporate America in your job. Yeah. And so um, one thing that I like most about this position is that I have flexibility over my um, my uh, location. Right. Uh, I could be at the office. I could be at home. I could be on the road. Um, it was a full hybrid setup and now they've kind of changed things and there was a huge uproar and drama happened. People were really mad. Um but um, I, I still have some of that flexibility over my schedule. And I think that's really important as well. I think that also changed the world. And, and we'll see if it goes back 100%, right? Because with COVID and virtual work, I think a lot of workers felt like, oh, now I actually have some control in life. And then, of course, <laughs> as things cool out, all the Don't employers you? are like, come on back in. And people are like, mm, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a cube again, so I get to decorate it. Uh, uh, next time I'm in the office, which there's also the irony of recording, uh, this podcast while I am taking vacation from work, <laughs> I'm off this week. So, yeah. but here I am spending <laughs> some time with you talking about work. <laughs> that's my goal is just to keep you talking about work 24 seven. Gwen. That's, yeah, that's yeah. I was actually paid by your employer to, to make Do sure that you work. Work, work, work. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I mean, um, Yeah. And and I do think, you know, to give the financial independence movement credit, I think it's much more accepting of the corporate lifestyle than it was a few years ago. I think it is evolving and people are realizing that it's just different people thrive in different environments. Well, don't worry. I still get called the soggy millennial by Mr. Money Mustache. The soggy millennial? <laughs> not the fiery millennial anymore because I'm not saving 70% your, your of my Your fire income. has been put out. You just have a fire in different direction. Wow. It's not, it's not put out, but you know, like when you wake up and you're camping the next morning and you have like this campfire and there's just like this one solitary, like swirl of smoke and like some hot embers. That, that's you. That's me on the fire movement right now. Yeah. Tech moves fast. So keep pace with the Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch. With new episodes every day, this podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more. Listen to TechCrunch Daily Crunch now, wherever you get your podcasts. That's TechCrunch Daily Crunch, wherever you get your podcasts. 